Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. So we're, we're jumping into a new series this, this weekend called Jesus People. And it's a bit of a throwback, obviously. You know, we're, we're here where the Jesus People movement launched uh, back in the, in the 70s. And, uh, and many, many of the churches that are around here were actually birthed out of that movement of what God did. And God, I believe, did not finish uh, just with some Jesus people. I believe that there's a fresh generation of Jesus people that he's raising up in the body of Christ for such a time as this, that there's a remnant that's still in this land that is going to walk and do our best to live like Jesus and to bring Jesus and shine his love and his light to a generation that so badly needs it. But both sacred and secular historians would agree that there was a man named Jesus from Nazareth in an area of Galilee that lived some 2,000 years ago. And he lived for 33 years, which is about 12,000 days. And of those 12,000 days, we only see about 1,100 of those days recorded in the Scripture. There's a story of the virgin birth. He makes a cameo appearance when he's 12 years old by spending time in the temple when his parents went to celebrate one of the feasts of the Lord. And then the bulk of the writings of the Gospels that we read about really centers around three and a half years of his life. Jesus wasn't just a good man. He was a God-man. And I've challenged, I've had many conversations and in, in theological debates through the years, and, and some friends that I have that were proclaiming Muslim, I would ask them this question. I would say, do you believe Jesus was a teacher? And they would say, yes, he's a teacher. I'd say, do you believe he was a prophet? They, oh, yes, without, pro- do you, and I'd say, do you believe he was a prophet of God? They, yes, yes, without question. Uh, do you believe he was a true prophet or a false prophet? They'd say, oh, no, he was a truth prophet. I said, have you ever read what the true prophet said about himself, that he said he is the way, the truth, and the life, that nobody comes to the Father except through him? And then that's usually where the conversation would go off the tracks, and then their intellectual brains are exploding, you know, and they, I don't know if I can believe that. We believe it. We believe that the Word of God is true. And I want to read to you, I'm going to start today with a poem. It's called One Solitary Life, and it was written years ago, and it's gone around the world. You might have read it before. I'm just going to read it for us this morning says, he was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He worked until he was 30. Then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book, never held an office. He never had a family or owned a home. He didn't go to college. He never traveled more than 200 miles from his hometown. He did none of the things one usually associates with greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33 when public opinion turned against him. His friends ran away when he was turned over to his enemies. He went through a mock trial and was nailed to a cross between two thieves. And while he was dying, his executioners gambled for his clothing, the only property that he had on earth. After his execution, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Now 20 centuries have come and gone, and today he still remains the central figure of the human race. Of all the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever sailed, all the parliaments that ever sat, all the kings that ever reigned, all of these put together have not affected humanity as much as the one solitary life of Jesus of Nazareth. 
He is the Son of God, the Lion in Judah, the Passover Lamb who was slain, the bright morning star, the Prince of Peace. He's our healer, our redeemer, our deliverer. He is our Savior. And Acts 4.12 says this, There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And, and to help us uh, understand this point, the Apostle Paul uh, illustrates it. He, he writes these words to the church of Colossae. He writes to the, in the book of Colossians in chapter 1, he says this, He is the exact living image, the essential manifestation of the unseen God, the visible representation of the invisible, the firstborn, the preeminent one, the sovereign, and the originator of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created and exist through him. That is by his activity and for him. And he himself, Jesus, existed and is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the controlling, cohesive force of the universe. He is also the head, the life source, and the leader of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will occupy the first place. He will stand supreme and be preeminent in everything. The ministry years of Jesus was only three and a half years, three powerful years that impacted history and changed the world. The reason for calling this series Jesus People, it's twofold. One, it's obviously a nod to the generation that went before us and all that God did, but also a challenge to us as believers as the new generation of Jesus people to live, walk, act, and move and function the way he did. The greatest goal of every one of our lives as believers is really to be conformed more into the likeness of Jesus. Some people say, well, I'm, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And while that may be true, when you were saved, you put on a new identity. You put on the name of Jesus. You put on the, 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 the robe of Jesus, if you will. And when God sees you, he doesn't see you as a sinner saved by grace. He sees you as a saint. And I just want to lovingly encourage you, if that has been your verbiage, and at one point, I'll be honest, that was my story. I would just say, well, I was a, I'm a sinner saved by grace. And I had somebody challenge me, and I said, no, you're a saint of God. You're a child of God. That's who you are. That's who Jesus says you are. Stop saying that. <laughs> so I just want to encourage you, partner with the word that God says over your life, not with what the devil would say over your life or what your past had been. Acts 10.38 is kind of our, our key text, our key scripture that we're building the whole series around. And it says this in Acts 10.38. It says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. That's a pretty strong job description, huh? I mean, if, if you ever applied for a job and they have a job description that says this is what you're going to do, here's, here's, here's what we're going to provide for you, here's the benefits, here's the qualifications, here's the job description, this is what you're going to need to do. That was Jesus' job description. And by the way, church, that's our job description. If we, if all the Christians would just receive what God has done with you through the Holy Spirit and the power that he's given to us as believers, and if we would just go around doing good, and healing all that were under the power of the devil, 
God would be with you. Sometimes we pray for faith, we pray for boldness, we pray for courage, but we forget that when you pray those things, guess what? God's gonna put you in situations where you're gonna need boldness, you're gonna need courage, you're gonna need faith. How many of you ever watched the old movie, The Wizard of Oz? Anybody ever saw the old movie, The Wizard of Oz, right? You had the lion that was praying, he's praying for a courageous heart, and, and you had the, the scarecrow that needed a brain, and he wanted fresh thoughts, and, and then you had the tin man, and, and he wanted a heart, right? You know, but they didn't realize, they thought the Wizard of Oz was going to give those things. They didn't realize that the witch was actually going to call out what was inside of them. Some of you go through hard times and trials, and it's actually what God uses to call out the things that he's placed inside of you. So don't run from the trial, run to it, and run through it by the grace of God. So these are our ministry goals as we read Acts 10.38. God has anointed you. He's filled you with the Holy Spirit and power for us to go around doing good and healing all who are oppressed. Throughout the gospel, you have these flyby statements and you have these brief glimpses of what Jesus did. Like Matthew 4.24 says this. It says, news about him spread as far as Syria and people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. Jesus healed them all. Matthew 8.16 reiterates this. That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus, and he cast out the evil spirits with a simple command, and he healed all the sick. Are you getting the picture? I mean, just think about this. Everywhere Jesus went, he brought the kingdom of heaven there, and it would literally, they would, they would hear that Jesus was on the way, and they'd be like, we gotta go. They would, they would empty homes, and he would literally fill amphitheaters and hillsides, and he would use the healings and the miracles to get their attention to do what? To speak to them about the kingdom of God. God uses healings and miracles, and it's beautiful, and I love it when he does. But the purpose of that isn't just for you to have some awesome Holy Spirit goosebumps. The purpose of that is for you to catch a glimpse of the kingdom of God. There's more, what I'm here to say is there's more in the tanks than you realize. There's more available to us as the people of God, as Jesus people, than sometimes we realize. You've been given authority to, stamp, to stomp on the head of the enemy. You've been given authority to pray for the sick and see the sick get well. You've been given authority to do more than some of us sometimes put credibility in because we think it's in our own strength, but it's not. It's in his power. Amen. By th some theological accounts, there's only 36 miracles that are mentioned in the Gospels, depending on how you count them. But the, the, the four Gospels, some of times, they tell the same story twice. And, and I love this scripture out of John 21, 25. It says this, Jesus did many other things as well. So in other words, John's saying, hey, we're writing down, we're just giving you just some high-level points of what he did, but he did many other things. If every one of them were written down, I would suppose that not even the books of the, of the whole world would have room enough to contain what would be written. John's writing this and saying, there are so many things, we're just giving you some, some highlights. We're just giving you some highlights of what he did. This is like the cliff notes of the ministry of Christ. And Jesus has commissioned us to do the same work. Jesus said in John 20, 21, he says, the Father has sent me, so I have sent you. Let me ask you this question, what would embody the days that as, as Jesus walked through the villages, as he taught on the shores of the lake, as he healed every one who was sick and set people free, what one word would come to mind for you when you think of Jesus? 
As we start out the series, as we lay a foundation for what I believe God would have us build through this summer, the word that stood out to me was the word compassion. Jesus was so compassionate. He was filled with compassion. Jesus had the ability to see past the demons, past the disease, past the adultery, past the rejection of society, and he could see the deep needs of the human heart. Matthew 9.36 give us, gives us insight into the motivation of the ministry of Jesus. Matthew 9.36 says this, Jesus traveled through all the towns and the villages, and when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So for a few minutes today, I, I want us to, to read. We're going to unpack one of the miracles, one of the many miracles of Jesus. Uh, we're going to find this story in Matthew chapter 8. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. It's a famous passage of Scripture. Matthew chapter 8, just to kind of give you the context, some of the backstory. Jesus, uh, Jesus is preached the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. By the way, when you read the Bible, just because chapter 8 starts, you got to read it as a continuation from chapter 7. It's, that, you know, it's not like that's the end and this is the beginning. No, chapter 8 is just a continuation of the story. And In the Sermon on the Mount, one of the things that Jesus told them, he says to when you come to the Father, when you come in prayer, you ask, you seek, and you knock, right? That was one of the things Jesus said. So he preaches that, and he says, ask, seek, and knock. He who asks will receive. He who seeks will find. Who knocks and keeps on knocking, the door will be open. So Jesus talks about prayer and going to the Father in that manner. And then he comes down, and as he's walking down from the hillside there, he encounters a man. And we're going to pick it up in verse 2, Matthew 8, verse 2. It says, suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. So the, this man walks up, blocks Jesus' path. He's asking, he's seeking, and knocking. He's going to put into practice what he probably just heard on the Sermon of the Mount. He kneels before him and he says, Lord, the man said, if you are willing, notice this, you can heal me and make me clean. Two things. You can heal me and you can make me clean. Verse 3, Jesus reached out and he touched him. I'm willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Then Jesus said to him, don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering that's required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been what? Healed? No. He said that you have been cleansed. Cleansed. When you are unclean, in, in this word leprosy that they talk about, in other translations actually describe it as just a skin disease. Uh, in, 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 if you had a skin disease, there is an element that from a health standard, if you look in the law, you were actually put out from the camp. Why? For medical reasons so that you wouldn't infect the rest of the population because they lived in such close quarters when they were in the desert. This is the instructions that God gave to Moses that we read about it in the book of Leviticus. And so you, you were put out so that you could receive your cleansing. But sometimes they would have a skin disease that was so terrible that they couldn't, they couldn't receive that cleansing. There was a time actually where this type of healing, if you go and research the, the Hebrew context of it, there was, there was a type of a skin disease that it was likened to the same skin disease that Miriam received 
when she, uh, she, she wanted to uh, take a position of authority that was not hers to have. And so because of her disobedience, the Lord struck her with, with a skin disease. That's the same word that's talked about, the skin disease that this man had that's translated leprosy. And so she would have to be put outside of the camp until she was cleansed. And during that time, she had to repent for her disobedience, and then she received her healing. And this man had the similar instance. So he said, so Jesus wants to heal him, and then he also wants to cleanse him. To cleanse means I'm going to bring you in, and I'm actually going to make you right. Now you can come back into the temple. I'm going to cleanse you so that you can actually go about your, your day, and you can actually... Uh, do work and create finances for you because you see if you had a skin disease you were not allowed to work you couldn't go to the market you couldn't touch the harvest that that um, all the farmers and, and the growers that they would pick you couldn't do that because you had a skin disease if you're a man and you have a skin disease you'd have a hard time providing for your family and your family depended on you so Jesus healed him and he cleansed him. When he healed him and he cleansed him, he restored his, his right relationship with God and he gave him the opportunity now to go back to the temple and he says this, he says, I want you to go to the temple, I want you to show yourself and, and they're gonna verify that you've been cleansed, meaning welcome back, son. Welcome back into the temple of God. And to help illustrate this moment, I'm gonna show you a clip, something we, we don't usually do here at Authentic Church, but this clip is so beautiful. There is a TV show that came out a few years ago called The Chosen. Has anybody ever seen that show? Incredible show. Uh, we're gonna send out a, a link to it this week so that you'd be able to, to download it. You can watch it for free. It's an incredible um, illustration of Jesus. It's an, now, mind you, when you watch it, it is, is, it's an artist's rendering, okay? So it's an artistic rendering. It's an artistic uh, attempt at storytelling about the life of Jesus. But they do it in such a beautiful way and paint Christ so beautifully. And, and uh, this movie clip that we're going to show you, it's an interpretation of a, of a moment that happened 2,000 years ago. And, and I really believe if Jesus was alive today, I think he would honestly build a, be a filmmaker. You say, why do you say that, Jeff? Because he was a master storyteller. Everywhere he went, Jesus was telling stories. He was telling parables. Those were stories, okay? So this is an art, artistic attempt at telling the story we just read. Uh, and this is out of The Chosen. Go ahead and roam film. Hello. Hello. Shalom. It's a beautiful day for picking flowers. Well, if you like Bilboa iris, lupine, and anemone, I sell them in the market. Is that Egyptian? Yes. I grew up there. My father was from Ethiopia. Shaparnaya makamteanak. Shabuta sashasutne sashrutu. Natiu patanaya sunu mahatea. Tamar Anaki Nani Yotiahuanu. Anaki Yeshua Nanazrati. Hatipuarta Snotia. Hakmunak. Shalom to you all. Shalom. Shalom. You were speaking Egyptian. I lived there when I was a boy. Why were you there? We had to leave Bethlehem when I was two years old because of Herod. He you lived in Bethlehem? During the massacre of the innocents? I did. I know the story. Herod had every child in the area under the age of two killed. Yes, but it was very sad. Not to spoil this beautiful day or anything, huh? <laughs> Come on. 
It's a leopard. Stay back. Cover your mouth. Don't breathe his air. Don't come any closer. It's okay, John. It's okay. Rabbi, 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 you cannot. It's disease. You. Please don't turn noise from me. I won't. Lord, if you are willing, if you can make me clean. Only if you want to, I submit to you. My sister, she was a servant at the wedding. She told me what you can do. I know you can heal me if you are willing. Seek your own honor. Please just do me this one thing. But what do I tell people? Go. Show yourself to the priest. Let them inspect you and see that you are cleansed. Make the proper offering in the temple as Moses commanded. And go on your way. Where's an extra tunic? Just one of you, just one of you. That's enough. Green is definitely your color. <laughs> Not too shabby. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> yeah. Just so beautifully portrays the compassion and the love of Jesus. And I don't know where it happened or how it happened, but somewhere along the lines, Christians got a reputation for being opposite of that. They got a reputation for being staunch, judgmental, 
bigoted. But that's not the Jesus that we serve. Jesus showed compassion. He was moved with compassion. And one of the things, I've watched that clip and read this story a bunch of times um, over the last few weeks in preparing for this message. But one of the things that I love uh, that was stated there, and it happens a few times in the Gospels where Jesus will heal somebody and he'll be like, shh, don't tell anybody. And, and, and there's no real reason we don't, like if you research it, there's, always, there's, there's a million opinions, but there's really not, we don't have a clear cut answer as to why he did that. But the heart of it that I love is what that man said to him. He said, you, you don't seek your own honor. Like, you, you know, how refreshing is that, that we could do something for somebody else and not have to blast it on social media of what we did for that person, right? In a world where everybody's trying to build their own kingdoms, the little K, you know, or all these different, you know, churches are trying to build their name and whatever, how refreshing is it to come into a house to encounter a God where it's just all about his kingdom, it's all about his church, it's all about him. And in, in, in that, I kind of feel like Jesus gives us a glimpse to maybe walking in greater power and greater authority and a greater move. It's, it's all about him getting all the glory <laughs> and keeping the spotlight where the spotlight is deserved. And that's only on him. He says, well, you don't seek your own honor. So Jesus spends that moment and heals that man, and then he tells him to go. And, and I love that, that story. And so many times you read through the Gospels where people saw something or someone that would cause them to run away and draw back, Jesus draws closer. <laughs> I love how he can see right through everything and he sees them the way that he saw them when he was there when they were formed in their mother's womb. It's like he can look at the adulterous person and say, I see you, I, I, that's not you. Let me tell you who you are. He can see through the person that failed time and time again that keeps falling into that sin, and he's, he said, that's not you. <laughs> you're, you're my son. You're my daughter. I don't see you that way. He can look past the divorce and say, no, 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 I, I, I don't hold that against you. I don't look at you based on what you did or what happened to you. I, I look at you based on what I did. He doesn't, look at, he doesn't look at you through the eyes of maybe a financial hardship or a bankruptcy or, or, or something. that you. He doesn't look through that lens. He looks through his eyes and what he did on the cross. And during his ministry, Jesus was moved with compassion, so much love. What could a church look like who saw people through the eyes of Jesus, where people come into this house and they don't feel like they're a project? Anybody ever felt like you were around people and you felt like you were the project? <laughs> I have. Ever felt like you didn't fit? <laughs> you know, it's like, man, I didn't really fit with that group of friends or I didn't really, I tried to fit with that church or that group, but it just kind of felt like I didn't fit. And people, people are masters at trying to morph somebody into who they think that they should be, right? We, we, go, we go to the gym and we, we're gonna look like and we're gonna dress like. If you go to CrossFit, CrossFit's like a whole religion in and of itself. And uh, believe it or not, I did CrossFit for a while in a season of my life, but I kept throwing out my shoulder. I don't know what it is. Anybody that does CrossFit, we're always injured, right? You know, and so I remember throwing up, but man, you're showing up for CrossFit, everybody starts to looking alike. It's like, those are cool shorts. I'm gonna get those shorts. Man, that's a cool shirt. I'm gonna get that shirt. You wear a headband? I'm gonna wear a headband, right? You know, so I'll, but you don't ever wear gloves in CrossFit. That's like a no, right? You know, you ain't gonna do the Murph, 
wearing gloves, right? And so, you know, but it's this whole thing. And so we naturally try to gravitate and kind of conform. What if you could come into an environment and it was more important that you be honest and true and real than you be fixed and whole? Now, in being honest and true and real, the beautiful byproduct of this, we usually get fixed and we're usually made whole. (laughs) But what if that wasn't the goal? What if the goal was, hey, come as you are, We see you through the eyes of Jesus, and we love you like Jesus did. So Jesus welcomes the outcast, and and Jesus didn't come to destroy the law. He actually came to fulfill it. So in touching the lepers and eating with the sinners or associating with demonized people, he wasn't making himself unclean. He, as the law taught, the law actually stated that, he was actually bringing the cleansing, right? When he was associating with sinners, he was bringing the forgiveness, right? He wasn't intimidated or repelled by those people at all. And in the final moments today, I just want to give us just two takeaways, some application points, if you will, that 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 acceptance, that that, that unconditional love, that it doesn't repel, it actually, it draws people to us, and it draws people to Jesus. And so I I just want to have two takeaways today. Number one, can we as a church, as authentic church, can we join Jesus in eliminating religious and moral casting systems. Number one, can we join Jesus in eliminating religious and moral casting systems? You would say, I don't, I don't believe that there is a moral casting system in our society today. I would beg to differ. <laughs> I believe that sometimes even in our glorious churches, there is that. I remember as a young dad, I was 19 years old. My girlfriend came and told me that she was pregnant. I was 20 years old when my beautiful daughter was born, and I started to get my life right. And when I was 21, I went on a search to find a church. And it was kind of an unspoken thing, like, you're welcome here, but I was not welcome there. Anybody, you know what I'm talking about? It's like, you're welcome to come, you're welcome to give your money, but you're not welcome to get involved, you're not welcome to assist in any way, shape, or form, because there was something in my life that kind of blacklisted me from what they deemed ministry. I'm so grateful that Jesus doesn't look at me that way. I'm so grateful that Jesus could see past that scared young man that was just trying to put one foot in front of the other, that he would call out the greatness inside of me. I'm so grateful that Jesus led me to a church where the pastor not only embraced me as a young man, but he brought me in and treated me like a son. I'm so grateful. And I remember finding that church and my pastor, him and his wife, pastors Joe and Jean Parker, we're still friends to this day. Every pastor that I've ever had in my life, I'm actually still very close with and good friends with to this day, have healthy relationships with them all. I'm so grateful for that. But pastors Joe and Jean Parker, they would take me in and they already had a whole bunch of kids. And they had their own stuff that they were dealing with with their own kids, but they brought me in and literally they treated me like a son. Man, church, what if we could all do for one what others have done for us. Amen? There's a stigma that sometimes we've all maybe walked under, a shadow, if you will, of something in our past. And the definition of stigma stigma is this. It's literally, if you look in the Hebrew meaning of a stigma, it was actually a brand or a tattoo. It's something that is permanent and connected with disgrace and unworthiness. For me, that stigma was, I'm a single dad. For you, it may be something that happened financially in your past, or maybe you've overcome a divorce, or you've overcome an addiction, whatever the stigma is, can I just tell you, authentic church, we do not see you that way. 
all right? So whatever that was, I'd love to hear your story. I'd love for you to unpack your story. I would love to see God glorified through your testimony. But I just want to let you know, I don't, and nobody in this house should ever view you based on what you did. We view you based on what Christ did, amen? So we break off those stigmas. There was, the, there was a sign of an early church. There was Sadducees, Pharisees, and then there was this group, this community uh, called the Church of Essenes. And they actually had this as a sign when you would come into their community. It's sickening. It says this, no madman or lunatic or simpleton or fool, no blind man or maimed or lame or deaf man or physically deformed or any other desirables shall enter into the community. They were so protective of this community, feeling like they were climbing the ladder, and in their climbing, they were getting closer to God, and the closer they got to God, and the further up they went in the ladder, the more they looked down on the rest of us. And Jesus obliterates that community, and he says, oh, you feel undesirable, you're now desirable. You feel unloved, let me show you how much you're loved. You feel like you've been ostracized, let me show you how much you've been welcomed. So Jesus obliterates that. And let's see, I, I want us to see people through the eyes of Jesus. As a Christian, I do my best, and Fawn and I speak of it often, we want to see the gold inside of somebody. Everybody's a tenant something. Everybody has something. Let's see through, let's see with the eyes of Christ and embrace people. And the second thing I want to encourage us to do, the second thought, the takeaway for today, is to join Jesus in embracing the broken and running toward the messes. And I'm going to have the band join me up front now at this time. It was universal knowledge back in that day that you didn't jump and run to a leper. <laughs> you didn't, there was no hug a leper day, okay? There was no national day, let's hug a leper. There was no month dedicated to the lepers. It, it, it was known that you stayed away from them. Yet others ran away, Jesus ran to them. And I'm challenged by Jesus' ability and his passion to run toward the messes. Jesus would associate with the prostitutes, with the destitutes, with the down and out, with the cheaters, the liars, the pimps. He, he associated with those that were, in that day, morally bankrupt. And he brought them close to him. And he showed them a better way. And they experienced unconditional love in such a manner that that kindness drew them to repentance, as the scripture says. I don't know about you, but some days, I don't feel that compassionate. I'll be honest with you. Some days, there's not a really kind bone in my body. Some days, I can look at people and I'm like, well, that person, they're in that pit because, man, they, they gotta put down the shovel at some point, they just keep digging. And, and I'm sorry to say that sometimes I've been judgmental towards people. But the Holy Spirit's so faithful. One thing with having a prayer life, you get on your knees, God begins to speak to you and remind you of what he brought you out of in a loving, compassionate, and kind way. And Jesus, in his love and his kindness, he's running toward the messes. And he's gonna help us to do the same. I wanna be more like Jesus. The holiness of religion creates exclusivity. It says the mercy of God is inclusive. And Jesus changed the message, and the new message of Jesus was this, that where it used to say, no undesirables allowed, Jesus changed to that, to there is no one undesirable. 
And he's giving us an invitation this morning. He's giving all of us an invitation to come to him. He's here. And he's saying, come to me. Come to me. If you're here in in this church today and if you felt ostracized, if you felt frowned upon, looked down upon, if you felt a social stiff arm from people or churches or ministers or leaders or friends or family, can I just tell you, welcome home. (laughs) Welcome home. God wants to embrace you. Even with your skepticism, Maybe you're a cynic like I was before I was saved. Christianity isn't a place where you check your mind at the door. It's actually when you dive into all those questions you have, you end up finding the answers that God is who he said he was. And Jesus wasn't just a good teacher. He wasn't just a nice man. He wasn't just some prophet. No, he is the son of God. He he is the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. Your sin, my sin, and all of their sin. All of us are in need of a savior. So Matthew eleven twenty eight says this, says Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary, any of you who are carrying heavy burdens, come and I'm gonna give you rest. If you need rest today, if you need rest, if you need just a fresh touch of God, just lift your hands to him today. Jesus, we just come before you. We just ask for rest. We ask for your peace that surpasses all understanding. Jesus, I'm so grateful that you run to the mess, that you ran towards my mess. And maybe you're here and you're in a mess or you're surrounded by a mess or maybe you are the mess. (laughs) I just want to tell you, Jesus is running to you. You've been placed in his path this morning at Authentic Church and he's coming to you. And you're saying, Lord, can you heal me? Can you forgive me? Can you cleanse me? And he's saying, I am willing and it's my desire. I want to heal you. I want to forgive you. I want to cleanse you. So if you're here and there's anything between you and God right now in this moment, let's just ask the Holy Spirit to show us what that is. Holy Spirit, speak to us today. Every single one of us, under the sound of my voice, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? Would you show us, is there anything in our lives that is offensive, any that's unclean before you would you show us those things right now God show us those things right now God show us those things God God would you forgive us forgive us God forgive us for those words those actions those thoughts those things we did God would you forgive us would you wash us clean would you make us whole and make us new. Jesus, we thank you for running to us this morning. We thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to encourage you, if you prayed and you, from a heart that's genuine, and you just said, Jesus, forgive me, I'm telling you, he's forgiven you. Jesus loves you so much, he'll take you just as you are, but he, leaves you, he loves you too much to leave you as you were. He loves you so much, he'll take you just as you are. The mess, whatever's going on, whatever you've done, the motives, intentions of your heart, 
any manipulation, lying, cheating, anything, anything that ever, you've ever done. He loves you so much, he'll take you just as you are. But he loves you too much to leave you as you were. Because he wants you to walk in freedom. Not to check a box or to add to his numbers or to the numbers of a church. No. He wants to do it because he wants to see you set free because he loves you so much. For this reason, he came into the world because God so loves you. He so loves the world. He so loves you. You just got to receive his love this morning. Let's all stand as we close today. We're going to have time of worship and a time of prayer. If you need prayer for anything today, we're just going to open the front of the church up. I'm going to ask some of the prayer partners to come forward. Those of you that are part of the prayer team, you know who you are. You can go ahead and join me up at the front on the sides. If you need prayer for anything, we want to pray with you. If you'd like to take communion and kind of have a holy moment with God, just you and him, we have communion on both sides. Every service, we always have communion available. And I just want to encourage you to just take the liberty and just have a moment with God. Jesus, we just thank you. Thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy, your healing, your forgiveness. God, I pray for deliverance today. God, I thank you for freedom today. God, I thank you, Father, for setting people free, making people whole. Thank you for wholeness, God, of life, spirit, soul, and body. I just thank you, Lord God. Thank you for your healing touch. Thank you, Jesus. God, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice, God, that they would walk like Jesus, that we'd look and talk and, and have compassion more like Jesus. God, that you would move on our hearts. Holy Spirit, we give you permission. We ask you for opportunities to show kindness and compassion to people in our lives, friends, family, strangers, coworkers. God, help us to be moved with compassion. Have your way, God. Have your way. Have your way in our lives today, God. Have your way, God. Have your way, God. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.